World, welcome back to All About Reality, Reality Sports Online, unique podcast. Today, we welcome a guest that we couldn't be more excited about, Graham Barfield of Yards Created Fame. Welcome, welcome, Graham. It's good to talk to you again after our number fire days. Um, not Obviously, Graham is at fantasyguru.com. He's a senior analyst, uh, also contributes to Roto World. It's great to have you on. Yeah, so we date back to the number fire days. This is the days where JJ Zacharyson had myself, uh, you, Scott Barrett, a couple other namely gentlemen, uh, all in the same same room. We had some good times there. It was how long ago is that now? I can't I, I can't keep track anymore. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like it was about four years ago that I kind of hit my peak there. Um, then my daughter was born, and then I've kind of gravitated more towards the reality sports online you know, strategy pieces and that. And you're obviously doing very well and we're thrilled to have you on and, and really want to talk to you. We're, this is kind of our rookie shark week, so to speak. So we're doing, I would say four episodes, um, deep diving on the NFL draft coming up and, and rookies. And, and we just had Matt Waldman on from down the highway from you in Atlanta. Hopefully you guys get a chance to hang out together a little bit. And, um, Let's dive right in. I, I want to talk to you specifically about um, your thought process and methodology on the yards created model, how it, how it kind of came came up with it, and and go from there. Sure. So very humble beginnings. I started it in college my senior year three years ago now, and it's kind of morphed into something that I'm really excited to say it's become very accepted, I guess, within the football community. Um, just in short, yards created is my charting process that measures the difference between the amount of yardage, yardage the offensive line blocks for and what the running back creates on his own on a per carry basis, of course. Um, instead of using yards per carry, which we all know is kind of prone to both positive and negative outliers and doesn't really distinguish much between offensive line and running back skill, yards created at least tries to account for the amount of, the amount of yardage a running back should be attributed. And now it's it's kind of morphed off to a bunch of different things in terms of missed tackle rates, stock, stack box rates, receiving profiles, stuff like that. So uh, it started kind of with a small idea and has grown as the years have gone on. But uh, but it's a fun little project I get to do every year and get to come talk to, to guys like you before the draft. It's a lot of fun. Excellent. And the running back position is my favorite to to draft, to nurture, to cultivate, especially the reality sports online format. If I could – ask you right off the bat what i've been reading your yards created for a long time now and one thing that i've always wondered about you as a player graham are you drawn more to superlative backs in your system that create a lot of yards that are not blocked for them or do you find yourself looking for good offensive lines at the nfl level and tend to attribute more value to to a great offensive line like if you had to pick an average back behind a great offensive line or a great back behind an average offensive line i guess is one way of thinking about it which what what are you drawn to as a fantasy player? Sure. So one thing that drew me in on Kareem Hunt and Dalvin Cook last year specifically is they both were highly creative running backs behind terrible offensive lines, right? So Toledo, um, just going back to last year, Toledo and Florida State's offensive line were both in like the bottom tenth percentile in terms of yards blocked per attempt when I charted them. So when we see running backs like Hunt and Cook that create on their own, force missed tackles, and are both very good receivers coming out of college, create behind offensive lines, it gives me a lot of hope and promise that once they get to the NFL level, they get to NFL coaching, and they get behind an NFL offensive line, that that trend will sort of continue. But of course, just like with anything, 
you know, it's kind of a give and take type of deal. I mean, we always heard, and it kind of showed showed true a little bit last year with Alfred Morris in Dallas. You know, he produced and Rod Smith too. Um, uh, they both produced decent games behind Dallas's offensive line. So of course, it's there's a give and take there. Exactly. So when when you're talking about this, so do you tend to devalue the combine then, and and really pay attention to what type of yards are being created by the back and their creativity. And I think a lot of that maps to like pro football focus is elusiveness, for instance, with guys like Hunt and, and Cook. And, and, you know, um, Cook's combine was pretty poor last year, but he found the right fit behind a good line. And, and like you said, I mean, he had a lot of success. So can you talk about that a little bit? I, sure. I don't devalue the combine. Um, I just think the combine is knowing what to look for in specific bends if that makes sense so for running backs we look at weight and we look at speed pretty much everything else that i've tried to study um, shows that there's basically no signal between like three cone times broad jumps any of those things it's nice to know to give a full profile uh, athletic in terms of athleticism but i think the combine is mainly just knowing what to look for and what's noise very good one one fascinating piece of information over at fantasy guru that you put out and one back in this year's 2018 class is uh is john kelly a little bit deeper in the rankings and i've heard you speak of him a number of different times and in context of reality sports online he's not being drafted till the till the late second round so i just wanted to see if you thought of back of his value at valued at rso around a million dollars was worth more or less than one of your top rated backs say one of the ones that go in that tier of first five or six backs where they're going to cost an owner about five or six million dollars a year on a rookie contract when you're playing the game that way, does that amplify John Kelly's value for you? Yeah, John Kelly is definitely one of my guys in this class, and we'll maybe get to it a little bit later on the show. But I think the depth in this class is severely lacking. Um, just because there's a lot of guys in the class doesn't necessarily mean they're any good. John Kelly is one of the few that really popped for me. Um, he has phenomenal contact balance and power. Um, in fact, he forced at least one missed tackle on 54% of his opportunities. That's the fourth best rate over the last three years behind Saquon Barkley, Joe Mixon, and one of my guys, Kareem Hunt. Very good company. Um, he's the third best runner in the class in between the tackles. Um, and this is important, and this kind of alludes to what we were talking about earlier with Kareem Hunt and Dalvin Cook. Tennessee's offensive line was very, very poor. In fact, they were the second worst in the class behind Penn State in terms of yards blocked per attempt. So John Kelly created on his own behind a poor offensive line, uh, was able to create and force missed tackles at a very, very high clip. And he's also one of the few very good receivers in this class. Um, he averaged 6.5 yards per root run. That's the second best in yards created history over the last three years and averaged 3.4 receptions per game. So from just like an efficiency standpoint, from a pure production standpoint, he's a great receiver. I, I love John Kelly and the fact that he's a second round pick on the RSO format is insane to me. I, I think I would I would probably take him. Frankly, he's my he's my fifth running back in the class, which you can read more on uh, on my rankings piece on fantasyguru.com. I would I would put John, John Kelly in the back half of the first round. Wow, uh, that that's pretty impressive company. I, when we were talking to Matt Waldman the other day on on the podcast, he was saying that he actually thought that this this class was deeper, one of the best classes he's scouted. So I'm a little surprised to hear you say that. I think there, maybe that's more referring to kind of the top end of the talent. So let, let's talk a little bit here about the running back 
draft class basically through the lens of yards created. You also did something I th felt was very interesting and charted basically how often these players faced a stacked box. So can, can you talk about a few backs for our listeners that the model likes, that the model doesn't like, and why? Yeah, uh, Saquon Barkley, of course, I guess we need to get out of the way. He basically broke yards created. Um, <laughs> uh, he's the second best running back over the last three years in terms of just raw yards created per attempt. Uh, he led the class in yards created per attempt out of 10 and 11 personnel, um, which is important because in the NFL, 44% of all runs come out of 10 or 11 personnel. Uh, Barkley actually also led the class in terms of yards created per attempt versus stack boxes. And I'm um, charting stack boxes as at least there's at least one extra defender in the box at a time. So if there's six blockers and seven defenders, therefore there is an extra defender in the box, i.e. a stack box. Um, Barkley is also the best in, uh, uh, best all time in terms of missed tackles force per opportunity. We all know he's a phenomenal receiver. We all know the production there. Um, he was also a phenomenal pass protector. He allowed just two pressures on 27 charted pass protection attempts. The second best pass protection execution rate over the last three years behind Ezekiel Elliott. Um, really, there's not a blemish in Saquon Barkley's profile, and I think he's well worth the rookie 101. And uh, I, I understand a lot of people are trying to sell their souls to get to the 101 this year, but it's also warranted. Well, as a theology teacher, I'm not going to ask you to sell your soul, but I'm going to ask you to give me a little bit of a comparison here, Graham. Like on Reality Sports Online, our GMs are are having to evaluate how much that 101 pick is worth also with the contracts for four years and the potential fifth-year contract extension. Can you give me a list of running backs that are already established in the NFL that you would prefer over Saquon Barkley? Assume that those top backs like Le'Veon Bell, um, like – David Johnson, like Todd Gurley, are going to cost between twenty and thirty million dollars per year, and you're going to start with Saquon Barkley at seven million per year. How long is that list of guys that you would prefer to have on your team right now over Saquon Barkley, not knowing his landing spot? Um, obviously, not knowing landing spot is, is huge, but um, just pre-draft, I think you 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 listed. I think I would have Gurley. Uh, probably DJ, and I think you can maybe convince me about Le'Veon Bell. Of course, in a contract-type situation, it would depend on what type of deal he has. Uh, but Le'Veon's getting up there in terms of mileage. DJ is coming off of a kind of fluke wrist injury and has like 900 fewer touchers than Le'Veon Bell, even though they're the same age. I think DJ and Gurley for sure, and you could maybe convince, convince me about Bell. So I guess Barkley would be like my 3A, or Bell would be my 3B, if that makes sense. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I have a follow-on question with that. Let's let's talk about a couple of the guys from last year relative to Barkley too. So, would you rather have Barkley with one one more year potential option or fifth year total, or an established guy at this point like Kareem Hunt or Cook, who let's just say it's similar dollar values? I think the potential impact for Barkley to be literally the RB one kind of outweighs it. Um, of course, you know, throwing in contract value and everything is important too. If you can get two for the price of one of Barkley's value, that's, that's huge too. So yeah, but I think Barkley's ability to actually be the RB one, maybe not as a rookie, but uh, in a second and third year makes a lot of sense. And I think going back to the original question, I should also say Zeke Elliott would probably be in that, that tier with Bell and Barkley. I think you could kind of make an argument for all three of them. Excellent. I think that given that you've kind of established that tier for us. And again, it's so easy to defer to you with all the good work that you put out there for everybody. We can, we can see the work that you're putting in. 
Um, your second back in the class that you that you point a lot of people to is Sony Michelle. And again, I don't want to spoil all the people should go read these articles and see what you have to say behind that. Where would he fall in in terms of uh, in terms of established backs? Where what what kind of assets are you willing to give up in a contract based league to go get that one point oh two or one point oh three in order to secure Sony Michelle on your team? Yeah, I think this is where um, I kind of start to disagree. I think with the consensus, I think Sony Michelle and the the high end guys of this class are very good prospects, but I think Michelle. Uh, whereas I think Barkley is already kind of a top three or top four running back in terms of just uh, projecting dynasty from the top down uh, in, within the position. I think Michelle would probably fall in somewhere between 18 to 22. Um, I love Michelle. I love Michelle's uh, game all around game. I think he has the trifecta of speed, power and elusiveness. Um, he created behind a very, very good Georgia offensive line. Um, in fact, Georgia's offensive line is number one in terms of yards blocked per attempt over the last three years, but Michelle routinely created on his own. Um, in fact, over the last three years, Michelle ranks second only to Joe Mixon in percentage of uh, carries to create five or more yards. What's interesting too, is I think people don't understand Michelle was used as a, as a sustaining runner. Um, 77% of his carries went in between the tackles at Georgia. He's not just this kind of speed back that you put out in the space. Like he was used as a foundation piece at Georgia. Um, I think he projects well. I think he projects just um, uh, if, if you gave me the odds of uh, who's going to be a three down back in this class outside of Saquon Barkley, I think Sony Michelle would have the second best. Odds. That's a wonderful insight and something that's deeply appreciated here. And to give it context for our, our readers, your model also loved Joe Mixon. If you had to pick between the two backs, again, assuming a similar price structure, that's a tougher one. What knowing what you know about Cincinnati and the state of affairs uh, in Cincinnati at the moment, which which of the two backs would you be inclined toward? And can I add a add a wrinkle to that? I just want to know what what type of teams and fits do you think would be good for Michelle that you would val- base that assumption on? Good call. Uh, sure. So to answer the first question, I think regardless of where he goes, I, I'm big. I'm going to be back in on Joe Mixon this year. I think his redraft value got a little too inflated last year and um, I think also maybe his dynasty value too because Cincinnati's offensive line uh, was projected to be not very good and they ended up being one of the 10 worst offensive lines in the league but I'm back in on Joe Mixon this year because I think he can he can play on all three downs and he's going to gobble up snaps and touches there in Cincinnati Um, in terms of fit for Michelle the one I always come back to that I I don't know if Bill Belichick would pull this, but I would love to see Sony Michelle as a member of the New England Patriots. Um, I think he kind of wins in the same way Deion Lewis wins with power, speed, and elusiveness. I think we saw Deion Lewis kind of have his full potential unlocked in more of a workhorse style role with the Patriots at the end of last year. And I think Sony Michelle can do similar things like Deion Lewis. Very good. That's helpful. Here in Seattle, there, Brock Heward was talking on a show this morning that he wants the Seahawks. To, he was advocating for Michelle at, at the 18th pick. I know some people are, are pining for Geist here, here in the Pacific Northwest thinking he's beast mode 2.0. The Hawks, but, the Hawks have to fix their offensive line first, though. I mean, they were, they were third worst last year in yards before contact pro football, pro football focus. I mean, their offensive line was a joke. I mean, Whoever's right. going to get in there isn't going to be their savior, even if it's peak Adrian Peterson. Which is kind of why I'm down on Russell Wilson too. I just think that the injury risk and the running risk, like his his upside, is kind of there's no 
potential for upside with his price. That's what I'm thinking. So walk, walk us through. So in a, in a 12 pick rookie draft in, in our, you know, tw- first round in RSO, can, can you walk me through what, what that would look like for you, where you'd mix in some maybe non running backs and, and how you're, how you're valuing some of those other guys? Sure. So of course, Saquon Barkley is the slam dunk at one. Uh, Sony Michelle would be my two. And I think Geis and Chubb would then be three and four. But then anything after that, I am totally open. Um, I think this receiver crop is wide open, especially amongst the top four or five guys. Um, I think it, you could plug in Rashad Penny pretty much anywhere through picks five through eight, and I'd be comfortable with it. I uh, love my guy, John Kelly, of course. Um, I know some people are big on Ronald Jones. I happen to not be one of those people, uh, but I think Ronald Jones will end up being a you know top 10, top, top 12 pick. So um, I guess anything after the you know third or fourth pick, I this year I would be way more inclined to kind of move back and get more bullets and get more bang for my buck to kind of just take shots on these guys or trade the pick for a veteran outright. And Graham, for a craftsman like yourself that does the original work, creates new knowledge for everybody else, do you find yourself in a draft with more clarity about what kind of running back you want? Or do you find yourself a little bit more thirsty for these guys that you've put in the work with? For example, would you be more inclined to take running backs over wide receivers just because you know them better and you've done the work? Does it, does it affect you as a fantasy player knowing, knowing what you know? Um, philosophically, no, but just going back to how we project these guys to start off, at least, especially of the last three draft classes, the receiver crop has been, let's face it, it's been abysmal. Uh, running backs early on get more touches, especially if they're drafted early. Um, so I'm all for running backs going early, like Leonard Fournette, even if they're not very good, I know they're going to get hammered with touches and that's what scores us fantasy points. So from an impact perspective, Running backs will always have more impact early on, I believe, than receivers. We just so happen to have this crazy receiver class in 2014. Everyone lost their minds trying to find the next Odell Beckham or Mike Evans, and it just hasn't been there. So for me, I I always value running backs earlier on just because they, one, can make an impact earlier, and two, have a more distinguishable, uh, usually a more distinguishable path to opportunity to score fantasy points early on. You you were talking about some guys you don't like, like Ronald Jones, um, for instance. Is he? What are kind of the red flags for you, and what other guys are you are you viewing as risky in in say this first round? Sure. So Ronald Jones, um, we need to have the caveat, of course, that USC's offensive line was pretty poor. Um, they're in fact the third worst in the class, behind Tennessee, or, uh, just ahead of Tennessee and Penn State for the third worst. In the class, but that's not to say Ronald Jones did a great job at creating on his own. Um, he struggled to be a sustaining runner. Just 22% of his carries created five or more yards. That was the second worst figure over the last three years in yards created. Um, he averaged just under one reception per game in his final two years as a Trojan and then added the worst pass protection execution rate I've ever charted over the last three years. Um, kind of pinning where uh, Ronald Jones excels, where he wins outside of just rushing off tackle and kind of getting the edge and running really fast in a straight line. It's a tall task. Um, Ronald Jones did post a 71st percentile score in terms of yards created per attempt on off tackle carries, but running in between the tackles, I thought he really struggled to see lanes that were not clearly defined for him. Um, He posted just a 42nd percentile score 
in terms of missed tackles forced per attempt. Um, I just don't know if he's a sustaining runner at the NFL level, at least coming out. And he also struggled to produce uh, on passing downs, both as a receiver and a pass blocker. That's excellent. And I want to shift your focus for a second, Graham, to some guys that you've done some good work on in the past. Uh, there's three names that I want to throw at you and see what kind of rookie draft capital, especially in an RSO format, knowing that the first drafts are, are higher contracts and the later drafts are lower salaries. But in the first two rounds, there's three names that I just wanted to let you play with them a little bit. Uh, CJ Proceis, Kenyon Drake, and Kenneth Dixon. Are you? Do you want to go get any of those guys, knowing that you had some love for them in your past analysis? Dixon, I'm out on just because the off-field stuff has just been so crazy. Proceis can't stay healthy. I uh, loved him coming out, but there's just no way we can trust that he'll ever be healthy at the NFL level. I love his, um, I loved his game coming out, but you know, he was a great mix of weight adjusted speed and uh, as a receiver, but it just hasn't panned out for him in the NFL. Uh, Kenyon Drake is the one guy I would go after. Um, of course, this comes from a pre-draft lens. So if the Dolphins do end up taking a running back, especially early on, maybe in the second or third round, or grab CJ Anderson, who they've been linked to numerous times over the last year and a half, um, this kind of goes out of the goes out of the window. But yeah, I think Kenyon Drake will easily, easily beat out 35-year-old Frank Gore for touches. Uh, we saw him become a beast after contact last year in Miami behind a really poor offensive line. And this, those are some of the things that Yards Critic kind of bore out in his profile three years ago. Um, he's actually number two, just very small sample, but number two all time behind Joe Mixon in Yards Critic per attempt. And he also posted a pretty strong score in terms of missed tackles force per attempt three years ago too. So out of those three guys, I would go get Drake. Um, I think he'll have an easy time beating out Gore. Um, but yeah, it, 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 the, the dream is over for CJ Procise, unfortunately, I think. And would you, would it, going to get Drake warrant a first round pick in your mind? Hmm. I'm way more aggressive. This, and this is just my philo uh, philosophy. I'm way more aggressive with, with veterans that I think have a really great um, one to two year window to help me build my team. I, I would, I would probably flip a maybe mid first a late first for drake and then if that didn't do it add a you know a second or third to that um i i really like drake's potential this year and i think he's kind of being slept on just because of the potential competition for touches in the backfield but if he comes squeaky clean to the draft i'm all in fair enough goody what else you got for him uh yeah i have a question kind of furthering that that topic that we're talking about with drake like what type of mid-range receivers are you willing to trade basically make draft pick trades for so like where where does the where's the cliff basically in in this draft for you say like 1.05 1.06 would you rather like would you rather have a golden tate on a contract say three years 45 million total or a guy like darius geis or or um nick chubb for instance right like i alluded to i think that the the cliff the proverbial cliff that you're alluding uh, that you said is is that 105, 106 range. And this will make you happy, Matt. Yeah, I really want to kick the tires on Doug Baldwin this year, right? Like Seattle mm -hmm. is missing 41% of their 2017 uh, target share. Jimmy Graham is out of the door. He accounted for 36% of the Seahawks red zone target share. Seattle's defense is obviously in total rebuild mode, which, mean, uh, which probably means tighter games, more throwing for a Seahawks offense that has already been trending upwards in terms of pass rate for the last five years with Russell Wilson. 
I really, really want to kick the tires. Like a mid-first-round pick for Doug Baldwin, if I don't feel comfy with any of the guys in that range, that's where I would That's where I would head to. That puts a lot of context in for our users. We really appreciate that. Yeah, and, and Goody, you're, you're astonishing me with your skepticism about the golden child Russell Wilson out there. I think he can keep a, a receiver like Doug Baldwin afloat, maybe even pump up Doug, Tyler Lockett for those of us that have waited for a breakout for a while for that young man. But we should ask Graham, though, a couple of his favorite non-running backs. Let's get him off his off his expertise for a second. And if he had to, if he had to pick two or three favorite non-running backs in this rookie class, where, where are you looking to? I don't have many. Um, I don't think the depth of this class is um, particularly strong at running back, and I don't really love the receiver class either. Um, I like um, Cortland Sutton. I like DJ Moore. And uh, in Washington, I think they both kind of have wide receiver one slash two profiles. I think they can potentially be top 24 producers, um, but more struggled against press coverage. Sutton is kind of all over the place. He has an untapped upside, of course, um, and has a profile of a receiver, a hulking number one receiver. Um, but all of these guys probably aren't going to be within the top 15 picks of the draft. The NFL has been trending towards more three receiver sets, more throws to the running back. I'm not really convinced about any of these receivers in the class. I think the top four or five of running backs are very clear cut. But after that, I just frankly, I'm not that crazy about this class. Fair enough. So knowing that you chart the running backs, knowing that like we turn to people like you again to be thought leaders and to help us to understand and give context to these these fake football players that we fall in love with when Graham Barfield turns to the internet and goes seeking the wisdom of Athena online, like what type of analysis do you read and value the most when you're playing in a fantasy league? I read pretty much everything. Um, obviously I slant towards more like data driven analysis that uh, doesn't just give, you know, an opinion basically. Uh, but I, I read pretty much everything I read between, you know, I read daily, uh, DFS analysis. I read uh, more season-long dynasty league analysis. Um, I try to blend and get a bunch of different uh, takes and analysis and kind of form my own opinion off of it. Um, I think it's really important to get others' analysis and and kind of use their uh, expertise or their data or what have you, and then form your own opinion off of it. Well, listen, you're again. I'm so excited to have be able to pick your insight about this class. And so one of the things on All About Reality is we like to turn to our guests and invite them to consider a world in which their favorite hobbies get turned into a fantasy-like game. In the life of Graham Barfield, is there anything outside of football that you would like to see turned into a game that people could build a little cottage industry around and, and analyze and think about and play like we do with fantasy football? Anything fun like that for you in your life? That's a really interesting question. One that I really haven't thought about. I know they have like fantasy bachelor, which is crazy to me. And I've never gotten into it just because I think the bachelor is stupid and ridiculous. <laughs> uh, man, I am a big TV show buff. So maybe if there's some sort of like, I don't know, like maybe a, like a character pick pool and you just pick your favorite characters or whatever. And I don't know how the points would work or the point system, but I think it'd be fun to have like a bracket style, like pick your favorite TV characters. Or I know some things on Twitter, like uh, that, that kind of pop or like, who's your favorite second tier character on a, on a big name show or whatever. I think that that'd be pretty cool. 
That would be fun. So, Goody, for your former colleague and I hope current friend, Graham Barfield, do you have any closing thoughts or questions for him before we get out of here? Yeah, I, I just want to like talk a little bit story. So, Graham and I were in a league together for a couple of years, and he knocked me out of the playoffs in, in a team that it was a one-loss team, I think. I think it was like 14-1, and started the season off like 12-0. and Leo Howell, who's at ESPN, was in that league as well. Um, Tyler Buescher, who's at um, – DLF now, I believe. Um, yeah, so it, it was a really fun league, and I, I still still have this vision of Lamar Miller scoring two touchdowns <laughs> against my Gronk to knock me out of the semis. And, and then, surprisingly, Graham lost the next week to a far inferior team, but um, it, it was fun playing leagues with him. So, Graham, thanks again for coming on the program. Uh, Reality Sports Online uh, misses you. We'll get you back into the format give Goody a chance to redeem himself and the, the stunning loss at the hands of Lamar Miller. Uh, where can our listeners find you and go looking for all this analysis that we've been talking about today? Yep. You can find me on Twitter at Graham Barfield. All of my yards created content is on fantasyguru.com. Uh, like I mentioned, I have my full class rankings, of course, pre-draft rankings up on the site. I've got my full deep dive into stack box and personnel groupings. I've got two individual profiles on two of my guys, Saquon Barkley and Sony Michelle in this class. And it's all free content. It will always be free. And you can check it out on any time again at fantasyguru.com. Thank you, Graham, for what you do for the community. Thanks for make, making us better players and GMs over at RSO. Goody, where should people look for you? You can find me on Twitter at MattGoody2. And we can find the podcast all about reality on Anchor, on iTunes, on Google Play, and Pocket Casts. What about you, Luke? Where can we find you? Listeners, thanks for all that you do for us. Keep those ratings and reviews coming. I can be found on Twitter and we'll continue to answer questions for you and bring you great guests like Graham Barfield at Fantasy Doc Ock, Fantasy D O C O C. That's it for another Reality Sports Online All About Reality podcast.